Beat on Audio, the podcast for writers and all who are interested in books, literature and the printed word. Write on Audio has moved to a weekly format, splitting our content into shorter themed podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so you don't miss any of our editions. This is a Write on Audio Showcase. Our showcase this month is selected by Write On's Mirabelle Lavelle. Mirabelle is a writer and academic, originally from Malta, but now based in the northeast of England, where she teaches at the University of Sunderland. Here's Mirabelle to introduce the pieces she has selected for our November showcase. My name is Mirabelle, and this is my second time editing the Write On Extra showcase. I am delighted to share with you some of the pieces that featured over the last five weeks. I have chosen a variety of heartwarming, inspirational, as well as nostalgic pieces, which reflect the theme of home in its many forms. The first one I'd like to introduce to you is called Kettle. It is written by our very own Poet Laureate, Ethna Cullen. This poem evokes happiness and nostalgia in equal measures, I hope you enjoy it. Copper kettle singing on the hearth. Granny knows its whistling call. Time for her to boil and poach and stew. Time to scald and scrub the sheets and shirts. Vapour-filled comfort of the kitchen. Stinging nostrils. Steam-filled lungs. Saturday's kettles promise bath time. Grandad first in while the water's clean. Children follow, making it turn murky, gritty, greying, almost cold. Granny will not get her turn yet. Tells children, braids their still damp hair. Sends them off in sleepy night clothes. Kettle simmers there for her. Grandad takes the brimming bath out. Granny, getting ready for her turn, eases out of corsets, lets her hair down. Kettle knows she's ready, tired, aching, knows the steam will take her pain away, knows the water washes out her cares. Thank you for sharing this with us, Etna. I'm sure many listeners will identify with the warm feeling of being at Granny's house, which you so beautifully portray. For the second reading, I have chosen a wonderful submission called The Link Between Anxiety and Binge Eating. It's written by the very talented Northern author Sam Gibson. Anxiety. It's a big, scary word, right? It's a word that can fill you with dread and terror. It used to do that for me. Back in 2017-18, I was living life on the verge of panic attacks every day. I didn't understand what it was, why it was there, and what it meant. So I feared it. 
it would be easier to comprehend the terror if there was an actual danger in front of you, like a saber-toothed tiger attempting to eat you. You would understand why you felt terror. There is an obvious threat right in front of you. But when it comes to feeling anxiety... Waking up at 2am from a dream with your heart pounding out of your chest, not being able to breathe, thinking you're dying of a heart attack, it's pretty hard to comprehend as it's not logical. But our emotions are very rarely logical. The crossroads. It got to the stage where it was so bad I considered ending it all. I was at a crossroads in my life. Give up or fight. I had to figure out what was causing fear and terror in my life. It was ruining my relationship. I mean, the last thing you want to do is to get laid when you're terrified of your shadow. It was ruining my relationship with my parents. I blamed them for many of my issues. It was ruining my friendships. I didn't have any as I isolated myself. It was ruining my potential, that trapped creative energy that I wasn't using to reach my potential. It was the same energy that was creating the anxiety trapped inside my body, waiting to be released. The anxious brain. You see, I figured it out. Your brain is a problem-solving machine. When you are sitting about, moping, dwelling, not doing anything meaningful with your life. You are in a state of inaction. And that's where I was at this time in my life. I left university with high hopes in 2017 and applied for a few jobs. I got rejected over and over. So, because I felt rejected, I gave up. I didn't feel good enough. So what was the point in trying? When I stopped trying, I just spend all day inside my head, dwelling, thinking and not accepting the reality of my problems. It caused my self-worth, aka feeling good enough, to be zero. I was feeling rejected by society, but I was just rejecting myself. No wonder I was stuck in a state of constant anxiety. The solution to anxiety. You can't be curious and fearful at the same time. If I got curious about why this anxiety was keeping me stuck in a state of fear, would I get over the fear? For me, it was the unconscious fear of not being good enough combined with the genuine danger of me not looking after my body, with the binge-eating, drug-taking, and the masking and bottling up of emotions. These factors caused me to experience a mental breakdown, and I felt too broken to be helped, which created an eating disorder, as the only way I knew how to turn off the dark thoughts, it was to eat in the middle of the night. Going into a carb coma would relax and numb me out. 
I was able to sedate myself. And then I was able to sleep. But the next day, I would wake up feeling so guilty and ashamed. The powerful question. So, my question for you is, what are you running away from that you know you shouldn't be running away from? What are you denying to be true that you shouldn't be denying? What potential deep down do you know you've left on the table? What fears are you avoiding that you know you need to overcome? The answer? You get curious and therefore give your brain a chance to overcome anxiety by learning new things. You can start taking action on the things you've been avoiding in your life. You don't have to run away from it because your brain cannot be curious and fearful at the same time. So get curious about your fears. Get curious about your emotions. Get curious about your life again. You have to look underneath the surface level. The very thing you fear the most is also the very answer to all of your problems. You are good enough but you need to prove it to your brain by facing up to what you've been avoiding. Maybe if you worked on this, you'd be able to see your anxiety as feedback to take the actions you should be taking in your life. Only you know. A massive thank you, Sam, for sharing with us these very personal and profound words. Your honest writing is an inspiration. Dear listener, if you are struggling, please do seek help. It may be a friend, family member, doctor, teacher, neighbour or helpline. But do get help because you are precious and your life matters. The UK Samaritan's number is one one. Six, one, two, three. My final piece is written by the Maltese author Janice Caruana. Her book is entitled The Midwife and Birth in the Maltese Community in the 20th Century. It depicts life in Maltese homes where a special room called Alcova was a space where a bride got to know her groom, fell pregnant and then gave birth and nursed her baby. In the past days, it was a common trend for architects to include a birth room in the plan of Maltese houses. The Maltese families used to live together as extended families under the same roof. Although this could be advantageous, because children could be cared for and the elderly taken care of, it was challenging for couples to find some privacy to connect. The birth room, also known as the Orfa and Alcova, used to be the only vacant, private space not to be shared by others. The room where the couple could be intimate, and if the woman fell pregnant, it was also used by the woman to deliver her baby. The Orfa was the workplace for the community midwife, but birth can happen anytime and everywhere. The following is a passage in which the community midwife, Josephine Portelli, explains a typical home birth. The midwife, Josephine Portelli, 
would tell the mothers, listen, now we have work to do. Listen to what I say and we will do this hand in hand together, she continued. I would allow the mother to breathe and relax between contractions, check how dilated she is, and sit calmly by her side. When I notice she is having a contraction, I would encourage her by saying, now we must help each other. Help me so that I can help you. Shh, there is no need to shout. Breathe, breathe slowly. That contraction has passed. An insightful look into the not-so-distant past Janice, which is a reminder of what life was like for our grandparents. I would like to thank Etna Cullen, Sam Gibson, Janice Caruana and everyone who shared their writing with us at pen to print Thank you for your submissions for our quarterly magazine, Write On, and our daily online magazine, Write On Extra. Please do keep sending in your work at pen2print at lbbd.gov.uk. We look forward to reading and sharing your writing. Bye from Mirabel. Thank you to Mirabel Lavelle for selecting and introducing this month's showcase. As usual, we'll post links so you can find out more about Mirabel and the pieces she selected as part of our show notes. Our readers were Chris Gregory and Sally Walker-Taylor. Please join us next week for our interview with poet and novelist Jaspreet Kaur. We're always delighted to read your contributions, so if you'd like to see your words in Write On or hear them on this podcast, please get in touch. We'll share this link and all others mentioned in today's podcast as part of our show notes. I've been Tiffany Clare, and you've been listening to Write On Audio. Write On Audio is produced by Chris Gregory, and it's an alternative stories production for pen to print. 